Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Monday morning, I send out a storytelling tip to my email subscribers, and I talk about how I have used it in my own storytelling for my clients and for myself, and I leave you with tangible advice on how you can apply it to your strategies. If this sounds like something that would interest you, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Again, that's rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that helps you tell heartfelt stories to maximize your impact in minimal time. Find out more about what we do at SixSecondStories.com. Special announcement, storytellers, I have launched my first online course. I've been waiting a long time. I've been so excited to do this. It is called Uncover the Story to Launch Your Personal Brand. Now, that last word, that last concept, personal brand, is one that I fought against. I resisted folks for a long, long time. And hey, flash forward, guess what? When I leaned into it, when I embraced it, when I cultivated a personal brand, the story that I tell others things started to unlock in whole new ways for me. I was able to build a business just off of who I was as a person. Instead of starting from scratch every time I started a brand new project and then bouncing and spinning around from project to project, the core of my business is me. 
and everything else is extended from that core. So if I want to be Rain Bennett, the podcaster, Rain Bennett, the author, Rain Bennett, the online course instructor, the storytelling coach, the keynote speaker, the filmmaker, they're all coming back to that same core personal brand. This is what I'm helping people do. I started coaching when the pandemic hit because all my speaking gigs stopped and it has impacted my life and I think it's impacted others' lives in such such a magnificent way, an unexpected way for me. Yes, I consulted with businesses and organizations, but I found the most profound impact by helping other people who had thoughts in the back of their head that they could do great things and serve people and make an impact on the world, but they just weren't sure how to access that thing within them. I helped them do that through finding their story. That has been so fulfilling for me, and I want to help you do that too. The thing is, not everybody can afford the over $1,000 of cost in the coaching package to do that. So I created a 14-lesson course that has all of the things and more that those coaching packages have, including a community of other storytellers so that you can share your experiences with and you can learn from them as well. All of this for $149. We will put the link to the course in the show notes. We are hosting the course on thinkific.com. It is called the Rain Bennett Storytelling School, and you can always find out information at rainbennett.com. What's up, storytellers, and welcome back to the Storytelling Lab. It's episode 102. Can you imagine? I can't build up episode 100 anymore. We're past it. Now we're on to the next one, headed to 200. Hope you'll still be there. All right, stop playing around, Rain. Let's get to the show. So listen, last season, season six, ooh, what a great season it was, we talked a lot about how to share your story, and, and specifically how to, how to get over the fears of share, sharing your story, how to be more authentic in your story, how to get to the heart of your story, all this kind of, all the emotional stuff, right? The, the art of it, the heart of it, if you will, right? We always talk about, you know, the, the, the art and science of storytelling. And last season, season six, was all about un- uncovering that inner story inside of you and unlocking things and revealing things. Very therapeutic last season was the art of storytelling. Well, folks, this is season seven. In season seven, we're going to talk about the other side of things, the science of storytelling, right? The, we're going to use our head on this one. This is the brain aspect, not following our heart so much, although the heart is always a part of it. And in fact, as we go on this season, you will learn, I'll go ahead and spoil it and tell you now, they're both tied together. It takes both. It's like the yin and the yang, right? You need the heart and you need the head equally. But we're going to be talking in season seven about practical, tangible, actionable, any kind of a bowl you can think of, advice that you can take away and implement immediately to your strategy. We're going to talk about the science of how things done, structure, formulas, platforms, tactics, getting down to the nitty-gritty, folks, okay? This season is going to be chock full of great, great advice that you can apply, specific advice. We're going to get really specific and not talk about these big overarching themes, which are important, which are incredibly important. That's all strategy. That's all theory. But now we're going to be talking about tactics, 
boots on the ground. I'm using way too many metaphors, but I want you to get the point. We're going to talk about how you can execute your stories, okay? It's one thing to talk about it till you're blue in the face about being able to be uh, brave enough and courageous enough and vulnerable enough to share your stories. It's a whole different thing and a whole different skill set that will take you time to understand how, where, and why to deliver your stories on certain platforms, okay? So today specifically, we're going to talk about a great platform to share your stories, which you're listening to mine on a podcast, right? But we're going to be even more specific, and we're going to talk about live streaming your podcast. Now, historically, like when I think about live streaming You're the video of your podcast while you're recording the podcast, which you were released in the next day or two or whatever. I think about like big names like Joe Rogan and and those kinds of podcasts that they've been broadcasting on YouTube for a long time. The thing is, like many things, we have democratized the process and it's much easier for smaller creators like you and myself to do the same thing. So coincidentally, Last week, I was on two different podcasts on Monday and Tuesday, and they both live streamed uh, their video and uh, the video of our interview. And they had these fancy intros, and there was a countdown, and there was a green room where we met before the podcast went, and we talked about the show and what we're going to do. And even on one of them, the platform they used had a new beta feature where I could pair my channels to the streaming platform and simultaneously or simulcast, I could simultaneously broadcast to my channel. So I did YouTube and Facebook as the host broadcasted to his channel. So I was like, this is, this is too crazy. And then on Wednesday of that same week, I recorded the podcast that you were listening to today. And our guest today is Christoph Trapp, who is a content marketer, and a business storyteller, and literally wrote the book on live streaming your podcast called Going Live. Live stream your podcast to reach more people. Christoph and I talk about some of the bigger picture things like, you know, just how to get started on, on, on creating a podcast, how to find your content tilt. That's your unique perspective, which we talked about a lot last season, right? Finding your unique approach to the work that you do, finding your niche, because I think the time has passed us where we're going to just be ourselves and have the Rain Bennett show as a small creator and just talk about whatever I want to. No, I talk about storytelling, brand storytelling, right? So finding your niche finding how you can deliver that podcast. And then specifically, we we hone in on how, how to live stream your podcast, what platforms to use, what tools that you need, how to execute that. This is going to be such an opportunity for you. And if you've ever thought about launching a podcast, but you're telling yourself that the market's saturated and you won't be able to find your people, I'm here to tell you that that's not true. There's a lot of podcasts out there, but most people give up after the first handful of episodes, six or 10 episodes, and they're done. You got to be consistent, just like any of the content that you create, and you can make an impact on your specific niche audience. And then secondly, the opportunity for live streaming your podcast is huge because you're bringing it to more people, specifically people that you have already built and grown into your personal community. So wherever you have your followings, you can be streaming that podcast to them. That is totally invaluable. So Christoph is the man to talk about this. This is literally what he does. He's got a top five business storytelling podcast. I was super grateful to have him on here. I also got to give him a shout out because 
we talked on Tuesday and Wednesday he booked the the podcast and I just love dealing with somebody like that and he was like you know what let's go for it let's do it I, I hear what you're talking about I know what we're going to talk about let's book it and we recorded Wednesday and I'm bringing it to you next week so I like operating like that I like talking to Christoph. here's my conversation with him and I hope you love it I'm really you know we, I think I don't recall where we first like connected online. I believe it was Twitter, but I feel like it was something that made us find each other before that. Um, but it recently you had uh, retweeted something that I wrote. So it made me just like go to your profile. I saw that you had gotten uh, a speech, you know, proposal accepted at, at content marketing world. Is this your first time presenting there? No, a few times. It's hard to keep track, honestly, how many okay. years, but I think the first time I spoke was probably 2015. I think okay. I spoke maybe every year, maybe there's one or two years in there that I didn't um, but yeah, you know, so there's, the, there's a lot of my uh, friends, a lot of people that have been on the show that have spoken there. I've always wanted to, it seems like it's a very nice, uh, kind of tight knit community, uh, almost a family. I see, I see a lot of people that have, have spent time there. And so I'm, I'm envious. I would have never made it to the show, even as a, even as a, an attendee, but, uh, it, it seems like a good time with a lot of great people. Yeah, definitely has been. I mean, definitely a nice little thing they built there in, in Cleveland. You right. Know, like, that's, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but that's what happens. That's where Joe Polizzi is from. So that's that's why it's there. Yeah, makes sense. So how, how long have you been kind of sharing your perspective on on storytelling and brand storytelling uh, in, in the speaking manner? How long have you been doing speaking gigs? Yeah, I think I did like word, word cams, maybe like 2013 and then did speaking engagements and conferences and whatever. I think 2015, maybe 2016, something like that. Went to actually to India, you know, did some international travel. Okay. Um, right now, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know, calming down a little bit, I guess, if you want to put it that way. You know, I guess we're all getting used to just being at home. And uh, it's like, you know, it's not bad. We made some nice improvements. So I'm going to Cleveland, but there's so much stuff going on. I'm going pretty quick. I'm not going for the whole week. Um, Got it. You know, and um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, the, the speaking circuit certainly, you know, um, you know, building connections, seeing the world, I guess, and it can be um, nice, right? It's also a lot. Like if that's not really your thing, like your primary thing, it can certainly be a lot. If you have family, it can be a lot. What was your initial goal when you started? Where did you start seeking jobs or did you just get asked to come to some gigs? Like how did, how did that start? Yeah, I, don't, I think WordCamps, you know, they're just like everybody is volunteering. So you just kind of apply and, and go out there and see what it's about. And then I think the India gig just kind of happened. You know, they reached out to me. I said, here's the price and here's how it looks and whatever. Um, and then I think I did, you know, some active outreach. But it's interesting because certainly there's a speaking industry, but there's more and more conferences, you know, where people pay to speak right so yeah. you know so that's like becoming more and more common yeah and you know it's not my main you know revenue stream anything like that uh in fact you know live streaming is going pretty well right now i mean amazon live is just fantastic amazon in general is fantastic and then of course i do have a day job anyways um you know so i'm not i'm not doing it as much but you know it was nice to just kind of um, see different countries, you know, be out there, um, and then, you know, make a little bit of money, um, from it. Yeah. Yeah. Same. It's, it's, it's a small percentage of my, 
overall business or my, my revenue, but what, uh, what's your day job? Um, Director of Content Strategy at Vox PopMe. It's a video platform for agile qualitative research. And, and how long have you been there? About a year. At what point, like what was your, what the thing I've noticed about the storytellers and storytelling experts that I have on the show is like, we all have these unique paths to, to, to where we are and what we do now. I came from the documentary filmmaking background. Some people come from content marketing at bigger brands. What, you know, like what was your path that led you into the work that you're doing now? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I actually grew up as a journalist, you know, okay. that's what I've, I've done first half of my career. And at one point moved and moved over into marketing. At some point we started calling, you know, focus more and more on content marketing. Right. Um, and, you know, of course today we got all these different disciplines it's interesting because, um, you know, it's like an offensive lineman on the football team can't play quarterback. I mean, maybe they can. I mean, you see a lineman every once in a while grab a ball and run with it, right? Sure. They're not going to run with it like the running back, for example. So all these different disciplines, it's interesting, like, you know, um, how do you fit them together? How do you prioritize them? And I, what I like about content, and this is why a lot of companies struggle with it, it can give you long-term results, right? But you have to keep going. You have to kind of get going and start it. It doesn't, doesn't happen after one week. So, which makes it easy to forget, right? It's like, hey, how am I going to live a healthy lifestyle? Well, it's not just eating healthy for a week, right? It's eating healthy, getting in the habit and whatever. But yeah, so that's kind of how the, the switch happened. I still think a lot of content marketing, it's very similar to, to journalism. I mean, yeah. think about what you and I are doing, you know, like, I mean, you could be a reporter, I could be an author, right? I mean, it's, it's no different. Like mm -hmm. it's, you're just trying to tell the best stories and the stories that you prioritize, the reasoning is different, but at the end of the day, you're still trying to tell the best stories to stay yeah. in front of people. It's a great point. I, I also really love that. Uh, <clears throat> analogy to the football team, I find that the businesses and organizations that don't quite grasp the nuances, the depth, the, 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 the layers of marketing kind of cast this like what, you know, it's, it's marketing. It's all, I lump it all together. And, and sure you can do that from the top down, like looking at the football team. But I think many people or many businesses and organizations miss that there are all these different elements of the team that must have their own strengths, right? The offensive line, we, we understand. you got to be a big wall and a strong person to protect the quarterback. Running back has to be agile and strong, et cetera, et cetera. We can run that, you know, that analogy for right. days. But I think that often, and I deal with a lot of small to medium-sized nonprofits and, and businesses, yeah. and they don't understand copywriting, SEO, you know, video, podcast, like all the different elements are equally important and, 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 and need that attention to it. Now, you know, when I reached out to you about being on the shows, after talking about your speech coming up at CM World, talking about live streaming podcasts, so I kind of want to focus on that today because that's one yeah. of the many elements that, that we can use. Yeah. Um, so I guess the first question I have specifically about podcasting is, and this is a sentiment I see discussed or shared, is it too late to have a successful podcast? If I, if I were a business organization, I wanted to start one in 2021 with all the saturated market, with all the podcasts that are out there, is it too late? Well, I think the answer to that is it's never too late. And I think people use that as an excuse. Oh, it's too late. Everybody already has one. Well, so here's the reality of podcasts to begin with. You know, there's only like 400,000 active podcasts, you know, like even though there's like 2 million 
um, or more now. Uh, most podcasts don't have regular episodes. You know, a lot of podcasts, they do eight episodes and then they're done and they don't know it didn't work. Um, and I know why that happens because they look at the numbers for the first eight episodes and they go, oh, this is horrible. And it is. And here's the reason why. Every time you build a new network, I'll, I'll give you an example. I don't know when this is going to run. We're not going to talk about porn here, but OnlyFans, right? Think about OnlyFans. OnlyFans said, we're not going to have any more porn on OnlyFans. So everybody, all the creators are like, oh my God, well, you know, whatever. Why do you think it's such a big deal? Here's the reason why. Because they built their network on OnlyFans, right? Companies, and now OnlyFans, by the way, reversed that decision. So who knows? Maybe it was Did just they? the market today. I, just today, a couple oh, hours ago. I hadn't seen that. And, yeah. So who who knows if it's uh, whatever? I don't I don't have any insights into it. <laughs> right, but, right, right, right. but my point is to have a network there, right? So companies have built networks on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, wherever. But they haven't built a network on podcast channels, which is a whole different beast on how to do it, anyways. So then they go out there and they go, oh, we'll do like a podcast, and they do eight episodes. And nobody listens because they don't have a network. So what I said, what I've been saying is, instead of just doing that, live stream your podcast. That is totally not the question you asked me, but you know it's a good transition. But you know, so it's not too late. But I think what you should do instead of just recording it and putting it on, and there's plenty of channels, right? There's like 20 podcast channels you should be on, but they're all new to you. What's not new to you is your LinkedIn. What's not new to you is your Twitter. It's not your Facebook. Whatever, right? So you live stream it and you already reach your build an audience. And then you take that show and you put it on, on the podcast channels. And that's what I've done. I mean, I even wrote the book on going live, you know, on that topic. So um, it takes a little bit more work, but um, I think the numbers are just, I mean, I think they're proving me right. Uh, every, everywhere I've seen it, everywhere I've done it, um, because you're reaching people where you already have an audience, you know? You touched on something that I find, and, I, and in my speeches, I mentioned a lot too, which is just these these kind of limiting beliefs. You've already articulated some that people have that prevent them from getting started, right? And that is such a big hurdle is just, just to take action, just get going. You're going to suck at first, but if you don't get going, you're never going to get better for sure. And so you, you had mentioned that as being kind of people having an, an excuse. Oh, there are too many. It's because they really don't want to do it anyway, right? They don't want to learn something right. new. Are there other, in your experience, are there other limiting beliefs like that that tend to block people from making, you know, making a new decision or new choice, but specifically in this realm, like to start a podcast? I think the biggest is everything always has to be perfect. And the reality is nothing ever is perfect. And this is another thing that I found when you do a live stream, you kind of take the power or you know the ability to try to be perfect away from people. Because when you're live, you're alive. And I always joke, I'm like, don't say anything you don't want to say. I can't edit it, we're live. You know, so um, people want to be perfect and that's not a thing. Seth Godin, when he was on my show, he said, you know, it's actually an excuse because you can't be perfect. You know, he says, I blog every day. I'll have a typo at some point, you know, you, you say something wrong or whatever. So it's just something, you know, don't have these excuses not to try it. Um, the next thing is, I think a big excuse is process. And what I mean by that is people find reasons why they can't do it. Oh, we need to have padding in our room to do a podcast. 
I have padding too now, but I didn't used to when I first started. I just got that, like, I don't know, like a few weeks ago. I don't think it's even been months. Um, oh, I need a fancy mic. I have a fancy mic now. I didn't start with a fancy mic. I need a ring light. I used to have a little bitty ring light. Now I got a big one right up here, right? You can kind of see it when I look up. Um, you know, you're not going to use that as a, as a promo reel of probably, but you know, so my point is people have all these reasons why they can't do it. And they just got to stop and just got to figure out how do we just start? How do we see what works now? At some point you have to level up the quality of your stuff, but how you do it, like, you know, as I mentioned, nobody's going to listen anyways, when you first start. So don't let the perfectionism kill it. So for somebody who was just starting out, let's let's pretend this is a person that's ne never done an episode, but they want to. Now they're getting over that fear and they want to. And I totally agree with you about not letting the lack of tools or resources prevent you from starting. But what for that person who has no knowledge of this, what are the tools that they need just to get started? They don't need a, a fancy mic. They don't need padding. But But what actually do they need to do this? Well, from a technical perspective, they do need an iPhone, for example. And and that's how I used to record a lot of my shows, just an iPhone, just an iPad, right? It's super easy to do. Even when I did video later on, that's what I first used at the beginning. So you do need some kind of technical device that can do most of the things you needed to do. Computer works too. I think a lot of people have that around. Um, a webcam sometimes might work. Maybe you don't start with a video. But, but beyond that, you need to figure out what you're trying to do. What's your topic? What are you going to talk about? You know, what's different about you that from everybody else, you know, and, and that's kind of what you need to, you need to think about that, you know, is, um, you know, if the topic is already saturated, do we need another top, another podcast on that same topic? Can you find, you know, Joe Polizzi calls it the content tilt. What's your tilt? Keep tilting until you find something mm. that's unique, you know, and, um, I think that's the biggest thing. Then the next thing is you got to figure out what's the format. Um, I personally find it much easier now to, to do it with guests. I have very few episodes where I don't have a guest on. Uh, every once in a while I have one where it's just me talking. Um, but, you know, you, you got to figure out that format. Then when you have a guest, you got to figure out that format. Are you just the interviewer or are you having a conversation? I'll give you an example. I'm not just the interviewer. If I was just the interviewer, I wouldn't have to be on the show. I could give you a like I'll put the questions up and you can just talk for 30 minutes, right? Like, why am I here? Um, so I'll share stories. We disagree sometimes. And, but you have to make sure people understand that, right? It, because sometimes they all think, or some people think, well, it's like, it's their show and it's not, right? It's my show. Like there was one big time author and, and they rolled me back and they said, oh, he doesn't book like full 30 minutes. He books 15 minutes or whatever. So, but here's what you can do. And I'm like, that's not the show. Like the show is not me giving his intro for 50 minutes. Plus I don't give intros at all at the, like, if you don't know the person, read the intro, read their intro at the link in the show notes. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't have to totally. sit here for 10 minutes and go, Christoph Trapp was born and whatever, like the it's Jeff the worst, Beezer, right? It's the worst. You know? Yeah, it is. So uh, but you need to figure out what you're going to talk about, what's the topics, um, and then get on a cadence, get on a, on a rhythm, get on a routine. That's important. <laughs> this, the intro thing kills me because 
when that happens, like if I, you know, you always send your bio to, to a speaking gig and whenever they read it, I'm just like, and I know everyone else is probably feeling the same way. Maybe me a little more so, but it's just like, I almost cringe. And I'm just like listening to it. Like, Oh, this is too long. I got to whittle it down, but it's so boring. And that's what leads me onto stage. So then I've got to take this energy, which is just here. Cause everybody's just hearing that. Wah, 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 wah. And then I got to lift them back up. And I'm just like, this is nobody wants this. Maybe, maybe a little bit, like a little line, but that long intro. Yeah. You don't need to do that. Especially if you provide it in the show, in the show notes, I totally agree. Um, I like that find, you know, find your tilt or keep tilting it. And I've also heard someone say that it might be a little too late or they don't really see it happening unless you're a big name person and big celebrity that's starting a show to just have a show talking about the, the different things you love and having random guests on. But, but instead, it's going to be more about a lot of shows that are niching down to their, their specific uh, topic for me, the storytelling lab, right? This is what we talk about. I have a lot of different interests. I have a lot of different things I could talk about for hours on end or have guests on about football, for example, or, or, or whatever, but this is what I'm talking about. And it's very specific to a specific audience. So for someone who's in a business field niche, is that something that, you know, yesterday I had a, a meeting with a friend who is in the solar uh, panel industry and he has one of the top podcasts, maybe the top podcast in that industry. I have other friends that are like, have lawyer podcast. Is that, would that be your suggestion for a business or organization that wanted to start a podcast is to, to keep it narrow in that field and try to own that field? Yeah, definitely. I think it needs to be in the field that you're in. Don't go too far. I think you can make it fun. Uh, so, for example, I produce an internal podcast at Vox Pop Me and, and the two hosts, you know, they talk about all kinds of different things. Like they kind of make it fun. They even have a joke of the week. And, you know, like they now have another employee who reads, who has a, who tells the joke. So they just play the video. So they go off topic, but they're but it's not like they go off topic. Right. They're just human. Like they're just talking. They're like, you know, what's well, the most important thing we took away from today's show? Oh, well, that joke was the best thing or, you know what I mean? Like, they're just like, they're having fun about it. So, but yes, I pick the topic. Don't, don't do everything. And the other thing I always get, you know, I, I just, it's a little irritating when people say, well, these big names, the big names. And here's the thing. If you're in B2B and there is, let's say there is 30,000 buyers in your field, which is not uncommon in B2B, maybe that's even high. Guess what? You're not going to have 2 million people listening to your show about um, air conditioners or, or, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, it's not going to happen. So you need to be realistic over what is your market? What's your target market? And just keep hammering on that market and keep staying from it. And the other thing is invite your prospects on the show. Interview your prospects. Don't sell to them. They can be the guests. And, you know, you build a relationship with them. And that's that's a fantastic way of doing it. I had Aaron Blasky on the show and I said, you know, Aaron, I actually don't do that model, right? My show is pure, like right now it's purely educational entertainment, whatever, right? Because it's on TV, it's on radio, et cetera. So I'm not doing it to generate business, even though it does make money. Uh, but it's not like, I'm not trying to get work through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said to her, I said, so if I have a, guest on and they're a prospect and I get a $250,000 deal out of it, the content can stink. What do I care? I just made a quarter million. And she goes, well, 
<laughs> maybe you'll be fine, but you still want to have good content, right? Because at some point it's going to bite you um, that you don't have good content, even though you make a lot of money. Uh, but at some point it will come back and, and hurt you a little bit. So keep that in mind as you, as you do in that model, but invite all kinds of different people on the show, you know, and build your network. It's the easiest way to network. I mean, think about us. So as you, as you said to me, Hey, let's hop on a zoom call to have coffee. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm on zoom calls all day. And like, we're just like, we're just hanging out. Right. We're just having a conversation and, and um, it's, I think it's easier for people to make the time for it than just to yeah. hang out. Well, and I'm sharing your message with the world, right? I just had this kid on this kid, this younger person on LinkedIn hit me up with that same kind of request. I didn't know him from anybody. And he's like, yeah. Hey, you want to hop on a 15 minute call? No, no, oh. I'm slammed. Like for what? You didn't even tell me how I know. What's this for, right? I know. I, and I totally agree with your point about the connections uh, of the people on the show. It's by far been my most valuable thing from it. And I had a guest on that I never really thought I'd see again. And he started sending work my way, amazing work that we got. Right. And then finally, two years later, he, he works for the North Carolina Conservation Network. We got them a, as a client. But, but before that, he had sent me other jobs, which are just amazing. So I, I completely agree with having those prospects on, but yeah. definitely not like selling to them on the show. Just make the connection, just make the relationship. Yeah. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, goals when you're first starting off. You just gave really solid advice. And I'll tell you a quick story. There was a businesses that I was, that I was friends with aware, you know, I, I did some side work with and they were struggling and, and considering what to do with the next step of the business. And they were like, they needed money basically to, to keep it simple. And they're like, well, we could just start a podcast as if that was going to be a revenue generating thing yeah. back to your point about like starting off and expecting these, these huge numbers. And I was, and I, I was so, I didn't even know what to say to them. Cause I'm like, well, to get money, most of the time is through sponsorships, not always, but most of the time. And you need eyes to get, you know, advertising dollars, you need viewers, right? And you don't have those. It'd be a brand new podcast. This wouldn't happen for a long time. So I think many people, struggle with understanding well because my goal is not ever i've had a sponsor before on the show but that's not my my goal it's to yeah. spread the message and make those connections and that's worked out tremendously for me so how important is it to have those conversations with yourself about like where are we driving this what do we want from this before you get started well i mean if it's just your own personal podcast you know like my own shows they always everything i usually do on my own um, starts out with, oh, I want to learn something, right? So I, when I started my podcast, I'm like, oh, I just want to learn how to do it. Uh, what's the easiest way to do it? And then when I did the live stream, I didn't think I was going to write a book about it. I was like, hey, you know, oh, you can live stream it. Interesting. Okay. How do I do that? How does that look? Um, and then I just kind of did it, right? And, and that's how it starts on a business side. And this is, by the way, this is one reason why when you have people working at your company who just try things, not to be like, oh, why are you building your own brand? Blah, blah, blah. Like embrace it because here's the reality of things. Everything I try, well, everything I try that works on my own side and, and podcast, I do at Vox Pop Me. Like we're not testing it on their channels. I'm just playing around and, and you know, oh, is it working? Oh, maybe we should try it here. So, you know, but then as a business, what's your, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, you want to reach people. You want to connect with people. The whole push that everything has to be tied immediately to revenue. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. 
And all you people adding me already about Christoph doesn't like money. I, I like money. Send me more money. It's I'm, I'm not going to turn it down. You know, well, I mean, I did turn down a project once where they wanted me to endorse like a penile erection thing on the show. And, and I'm like, that's just doesn't fit guys. So, but anyway, um, you know, figure out what's the right goal. You want to see the numbers go up and at the, in, in the long run, it works. Why do you think what Joe, like everybody that Joe Polizzi talks about con content entrepreneurs, it works. It doesn't work overnight. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, chasing people to buy from you by just never giving up and emailing them 5,000 times. That works as annoying as it is, but it doesn't work on the first few tries, right? It works if you hit them right. And this is a much more relationship building activity because, you know, somebody likes you, they keep listening. Somebody doesn't like you, they may not listen. Um, and, but that's why you need good guests because it's really hard for one person to just yeah. kind of carry the load, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's why I'm having you on my friend. When, <laughs> when did you first attempt, you've already alluded to it, but when did you first do the live streaming version of the podcast? So I think that was in, let me think about that, probably spring 2020. Okay. And uh, so I was on Jason Falls show. It was then called the Jason Falls show actually. And he was live streaming. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, how do I do it? And he was using switcher studio, which I still use for some things. Um, and he was going to one. And since then, and maybe I'm sure they existed before, right? But it always takes a while to, to, for the market to develop. And now there's other services too, like Restream, uh, which is what I use for, for my shows um, that goes to multiple channels. Yeah. And so Restream does that. And then the other thing that's new with Restream, it lets you pair it. So if you come on my show and I yeah. schedule it, I can send you a link to simulcast to your channels. So it's like, it goes everywhere. And so it's really nice. And that's, so I've been doing that. So I guess that's about a year and a half. Um, and, you know, just kept cheering along the way what, uh, what I found worked and what didn't work. There is a lot of things to think about, honestly. Um, but, but again, don't let, you know, don't let that be an excuse. Oh my goodness. I, it's, it's just me. Um, it's just me too, you know, and sometimes I push the wrong button, like, just go, oops, I pushed the wrong button. Um, there was the, I have, I now have an intro, I have a countdown, which is me looking at the camera and it counts on like, mm -hmm. so now I just leave it. I don't even edit it out anymore. And then I have um, the regular intro, right? Which is, has like previous guests. And then at the end I have an outro. And so, but they were not in the right order. So sometimes I've pushed the wrong button and the intro would run on the outro. I would just stop it and run the outro. I wouldn't go, oh my God, Christoph is the worst producer. You know, like, what should I do? Like, never do a show again. Yeah, it's it's so funny. I mean, this is kind of uh, serendipitous, I guess, that, that, that you came on this week. It's just Monday. I was on someone else's show and used Restream and used the pairing function for for my channels. It was the first time I had done it. I was like, "Oh, this is this is really cool," and it went out to to my channels as well. And I think um, the the next day I was on one as well, and that was I think Streamyard. Is that another uh, yeah. service provider for that? So, and the book came out when March of this year. March of this year. So. What have you what have you learned about it? I mean, you, you've said a few things about how I don't know if you use the expression taken off, but you, you've yeah. seen results from from live streaming. 
right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, what have you learned by, by you know, seeing that first when you're on uh, that show and seeing someone do that in the spring of 2020 and making that decision to do it yourself? What are the things like, how has the show been enhanced? What are the lessons learned from that process? So it's funny because I do have a handful of people who have been return guests. So Joe Polizzi has been on three times. Jennifer Ratke has been on like three times. Uh, Jackie Clement was on a couple of times. I don't remember. It feels like there's some others, but they've been on a few times, right? And like Jennifer Ratke was on yesterday. She's with the National Institute for Social Media. And she, I mean, I asked her, I said, you've been on a few shows. It's changed a lot, hasn't it? She goes, oh, absolutely. Like at the beginning, we would just go live, right? Like, oh, hello, we're here. Now there's a countdown. Then there's an intro. It's a produced thing, right? So it looks nicer. Now, since it's on TV, it's very structured, right? So like when I do a podcast before, or even like we were doing this to an extent here, um, like, oh, until we're out of stuff to say within reason, right? That's not how my show is anymore because it goes on TV on the DBNA television network. I have 27 minutes. So I don't have to hit that on the head, but I can't go 32 minutes, right? Because right. They, they don't have room for their ads. So, and you know, it's a new format and basically it's four questions if we're lucky. Um, so that has changed. And then I have an outro at the end, you know, and, and it's just, it's, I think it's more professional. Like you can see how my setup here has evolved. I got this physical backdrop behind me. You know, it looks nicer than what is actually back there, I like to think. Um, so you just kind of have to evolve things um, and learn as you go and, 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 and figure out where you need to invest and where you don't need to invest. And, and why do you think people, the audience, respond so well to live video specifically? Well, it's an interesting question because not everything is live, right? I mean, it's live, it's broadcast live. But a big chunk of the audience also watches on the replay. Uh -huh. So, you know, don't forget that. So if you only have, I don't know, you know, 100 people watching or whatever, don't go, oh, that's horrible. Um, you know, you might have more on the replay on some networks. Um, so that's also a thing. But I think it's not so much about the medium. I think it's because you already have an audience there. And I think every network is currently trying to figure out life and trying to do more things with it. And you know how it is when there's something new, it works better for a little while. I can't tell you how long it is, you know, but live streaming, um, you know, they put it in front of more people, you know, and, and that's, um, that's in, at some point they're going to ask you to pay to boost it. You oh, know, for sure. that's, <laughs> it always happens that way. But my point is, that's why you have to get in as quick as you can and try it out. Um, but I think it's because people are already on those networks, you know, I mean, people listen to podcasts too, but um it's still a little bit of a newer medium. And I think the ramp up time takes a little bit longer. Do you think that more people are, are have become attracted to consuming content that way since the pandemic? And I'll give, I'll give you an example. I mean, it's maybe it's no coincidence that you started around that time. A lot of things happened in the spring of 2020, but a client that I work with, I used to produce short documentaries for them. Yeah. I still do. But when the pandemic hit, I wasn't traveling around the country shooting films for them anymore. So they started their Rare Cancer Foundation and they started a weekly live show that they streamed to Facebook. And I'm the host and we host a different top doctor in that rare cancer from around the world. And we've yeah. been doing it for a year and sponsors have extended for a whole nother year. 
and people absolutely love it. And this, this organization will never go back to not doing that, not providing that because people, the audience is there. Is this something that will like continue to be an opportunity for people? Has it increased in the past year and a half because we're all at home? What is that secret sauce? I don't know if it has increased. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot more people doing events and stuff, right? So it's, it's like, you know, I mean, you're not old enough either to remember this, neither am I, but like when radio existed and then TV came around, everybody did, you know, radio basically on TV because right. they didn't know how to do it, right? Right. And it's the same thing. Like people try to adjust what they know. Um, so what what do you do on, on live streams? Well, you just live stream your web, your event, right? AKA a webinar um, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's gone up. Maybe it has, um, but I think it's a much easier way to reach people, right? Because I mean, think about it this way. So, you know, we're not that close to each other, you know, like, and we're like, talk last night. Hey, you want to do the show? Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good. Okay, bye. Talk then. I mean, like if we had to meet somewhere, like it'd be impossible. Like you would be like, when do you travel? I'm like never. Then, you know, like, I mean, it's just like, it's so much easier. And yes, it's, it's nice sometimes to see people and go places, but I think it's, I think it's a way to step up the production. I think it's a way to do more things. Um, and I think it's a way to talk to people that you would never talk to otherwise, if you were so, so hung up in only in person, for example. Um, the one thing that's interesting before the pandemic, a lot of people listened to podcasts on their commute. Mm-hmm. I have not seen any decrease in podcast listening. So um, I don't know if that's the official number overall, but at the end of the day, you know, people still, I mean, I listen to podcasts all day. If I'm not writing or, well, Right now I'm voice dictating, right? So I can't listen to podcasts. But if I'm working on something where I don't have to write, I just got a podcast running in the background and runs all day, you know, until there's nothing left. Um, And so, you know, I I think people just adjust. And podcasts are easier to listen to than reading something. Yeah, is that why you think that, I mean... That people respond so well to it because you're you're not unique to listening to podcasts all day long when you're commuting if you're working out yeah. and things like that. Why why do we seem to enjoy consuming our content in that manner so so much? Some of these podcasts are crazy long and people will stay for the whole time. Well, it's, I think it's just because you know you can do it while not being super active. Mm-hmm. So, right. I can do other things. And I got the show running in the background. Yeah. Um, like you can go if you're on a walk, right? Like even if you're commuting, you're not actively, you, you're actively commuting. You're not actively listening um, and you hear just enough. So I think that's why, because it's, it's like you can do it while you do other things. Um, and if, if the show is well-produced, you might enjoy it. You know, there's some people like I was listening to a show when we were on vacation, uh, driving to South Dakota and uh, I think in July. And I was listening to some of my shows on, on the, in the car. And, my, and I like this host's voice. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, I really like it. My wife is like, oh, you know, like I like it. She didn't. So like, sometimes you like just listening to the people talking. It's like, I follow the New York Yankees. Michael K is a fantastic announcer. Like sometimes I'm just watching to listen to him do you know what i mean like so there is some of that too and of course you know i think a lot of us have a long way to go to to get to that kind of level if we ever get there and probably we wouldn't but um but there is some of that entertainment value in there as well so 
what ways must one if they want to be successful show up differently when live streaming their podcast meaning video meaning your you know your face is being seen what ways do you, should you show up to to perform better than if you were just releasing an audio podcast or any best practices that you would suggest for someone who wanted to start live streaming well you want to be aware of how you look right and and um and you know however you look that's your choice i mean i've had people on the show who debated with me on you know, they dress up completely. You're not going to see me in a tie anytime soon, honestly. So forget about it. But I know for a fact, some people dress up. Um, if you have female guests, one word of caution, don't cancel the podcast on them the day off, especially if they're working at home, um, because they probably, you know, had a very different routine today to go on your live stream than they would have had if they were just sitting at home working, you know, especially if they don't have meetings. And I've had people say that to me, you know, women, when they come on, they're like, oh, thanks for the excuse to get dressed or dress up today, you know, and, and men don't usually say that. So I don't know what, what their effort is into how they look. Um, but the other thing is too, you got to remember, I mean, look, you can barely see what I'm wearing. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like, I used to wear like a sh shirt for like the show, the business storytelling show. Like people can't even see it because like, it's not even in the screen. That's funny. I've been doing that too. when I've been, uh, been on shows and you can see sometimes you have the mics come in from up top and mine comes from the bottom and the emblem on, on, on the shirt is right here. And I've just noticed like, I'm wearing this shirt every time and nobody There's can no difference. It. Such a great point. Yeah. All right. Well, I know that is probably about the time you said you had to go uh, get the kids, I believe. Hashtag dad life. Buddy, I hear it. I have one that is six weeks old right now. So we are in the thick of it. Um, you know, hashtag blessed, right? That's what they say. But right now, you know, doesn't, it doesn't always feel like it late at night. Um, but I appreciate you making the time. And I'm really glad that we made the connection for, uh, for those uh, interested again in learning more. Tell us the name of the book. Yeah, Going Live, a live streaming podcast to reach more people by Christoph Trapp. You can check that out on Amazon, authenticstorytelling.net. Uh, it is available in all the different options, uh, paperback, Kindle, and uh, hardcover uh, hardcover as well. So that's kind of exciting. That's a new, uh, that's my first one in hardcover even. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, thanks again for making the time and good luck at CM World, my friend. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. You bet. Nice to see you. Thanks, Christoph. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.